Rusty Quill presents. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Welcome to SBRR, a retrospective on Spirit Box Radio. I'll be going through the show part by part, thinking about the themes and my intentions as a writer. These retrospectives will include heavy spoilers for the show, so please go back and listen before you tune into them. Already caught up? Awesome. I'm Aira Major, creator of Spirit Box Radio. Welcome back to the show. This run of episodes, from 21 up to 30, is the first significant shift in the show's tone, I think. I spoke a little bit in the retrospective for episodes 1 through 10 about the way I kind of structured the show's story, but I'm going to expand on that here. Basically, I thought about Spirit Box Radio's story as being like waves climbing up a beach. The waves represent a sense of equilibrium. If you've ever read any storytelling theory or even just engaged with content about how to write, you've probably encountered the idea that a story's basic structure is to begin with equilibrium, which is thrown into a state of disequilibrium, and then a new equilibrium is established by the end of the story. So yeah, you're basically going from a state of normal to a state of abnormal chaos, and then returning to a state of normal. But, you know, normal is relative. It's like, what's normal for the world? Thinking about story in that kind of basic way works and is really helpful for thinking about movies or even shorter series. But for something like Spirit Box, which is intentionally going to run for dozens and dozens of episodes, then you need to think about conflict, resolution and pace a little bit differently than that. I won't lie to you. Things have been hard. I I keep thinking it will get easier, but it doesn't. I keep thinking that... I keep thinking... It's still helpful to think of that basic structure, equilibrium, disequilibrium, and then equilibrium again. A longer project means thinking a little differently about the equilibrium in the story. The handy thing about Spirit Box is that it's such a metatextual show. There's the obvious thing, which is that it's an audio drama about a radio show, so Sam is deliberately and actively broadcasting every episode. But there's also the fact that storytelling, words and narrative play are such a key part in the story and in the character's own individual arcs. I was standing in my room looking at the picture of the door with the light around the frame and I glanced up. It was dark outside and with the light on in my room I could see myself reflected in the glass of the new old window. 
a thousand drawings of the white door on the wall behind me. But then I realised they weren't the same drawings as the ones on the wall that was actually behind me. They were my sketches, yes, and they were of the white door, but they were organised differently and stopped a few feet short of the ceiling, as though I was too short to reach the rest of the wall. This is most apparent in Sam, but it's also interesting to think about this in the context of Anna, who can magically detect lies, and also in regard of the inconveniences, who literally behave exactly as their names might indicate they would, restricted deliberately in their actions by the story extrapolated from what their name tells you about them. What this does for me, as a writer, is allow me to quite self-consciously play with the way that the story is interacting with its own structures. There are some ways that this meta-storytelling was limited to the way that the show was actually airing as it released, like the fact that after episode 20 there was a mid-season break, and within the story itself, Sam was unconscious for some of that period. But it's also there in the way that I'm approaching the show's literal episode structures and then dismantling them. ...too much from her just yet. She's very wisely decided to go and do some reconnaissance before actually returning to the house. Even though she's not taking my comments about the house seriously, she did at least listen to the recording of that conversation I had with her that got posted on the forums. You know, the one where she was inside the house and then completely forgot she ever went inside the moment she left? Yeah. Apparently, the sounds of her own confusion was enough to convince her to be at least cautious. The mid-season break is a great moment to stop and think about this because it's the show's first really significant format break and shift, but it's actually already been happening every three to five episodes throughout season one's first part too. At first, we establish Sam as temporary host. The main conflict is actually a kind of metatextual dissonance between Sam's stated reality, which is that Madame Marie will be back at any moment, and your growing suspicion as an audience member that this is absolutely not going to happen. Madame Marie's list of contacts... A lot of the people in it seem to be dead or missing. In fact, the only people in there I did manage to get a hold of were Wright Hidier and Stickler and Stickler and, well, they weren't interested in coming on unless there was something that they could clean. This format cracks and breaks when we learn that M was actually Sam's mother. The introduction of this information changes the way that you're thinking about Sam's relationship to hosting the show, or at least that's what I'm hoping it does. Until that point, we're assuming that Sam's primary relationship with M to be as an employer. She's clearly mean and dismissive of him, but we receive this information differently when we learn that she's actually his mother and he actually lives in the house that he's been broadcasting from. It changes the way that we're hearing them when they're insisting that she'll be back, shifting it from a hopeful and naive employee, certain of their boss's hijinks, to this more tragic situation where a guy has been potentially completely abandoned by their manipulative, neglectful mother. Thank you for your concern on the forums, all of you. I haven't been able to respond to much of it because, well, I've been asleep and it's also, it's a lot. Other format breaks include when we start to receive phone calls from Kitty and Anna, and then again when they actually start coming into the basement studio. The arrival of the phone itself and the introduction of the recording machine, which sits on top of it, also represent moments where what had become familiar and established in the format of the show for the way that Sam is structuring his broadcasted episodes of the Advising Community segment are broken and shifted deliberately. The phone's presence allows other characters to communicate with Sam in a direct way rather than through letters, and the recording machine provides a sort of balancing hand to whatever Sam is saying. I know that voice. I don't know where from, but I know it. You're sure they didn't leave a number? They did not. 
The message was direct. Direct? They didn't phone the studio. The message was direct. But how could they leave a message on the answer machine without calling? They spoke to me directly. They spoke to you? Yes. Shocking, isn't it? People do that sometimes. You're doing it right now. What? They were here! By comparison to what happens after the mid-season break, these changes are relatively small. After the mid-season break, Sam changes the literal in-world name of the show, and this is a very powerful act. He rejects the name Advice and Community segment and rechristens the show the Enlightenment segment. Along with this name change comes a shift in their aims for the segment overall. It's not just that he now knows that Emma is dead and so won't be coming back. It's a deliberate assertion of his attempt to use the show to gather information, which we'll learn as the show goes on, is an extremely contentious thing to do with anarchist spaces. You all really liked Rytidia's Bogwitch showcase from a couple of weeks ago, and you're all wondering when I'll next be having a guest on the show to make the Enlightenment segment that you were all promised rather than the Sam guesses vaguely at Arcanism and tries not to make a fool of himself live on air segment, which is, it seems, what things have devolved into. This is also a good moment to talk a little bit about Arcanism as a thing, I think. It's meant to kind of mirror the ways that information is withheld and gatekept within communities and by institutions. Who is allowed to know things and which things they are allowed to know has a massive impact on who is able to have power within specific spaces and communities and over society as a whole. The Arcanists are academic gatekeepers, preventing the dissemination of their knowledge to newcomers and deliberately and obsessively refusing to learn from others' mistakes. I can tell you almost anything you could want to know about the arcane, how it can manifest in good faith in the right conditions, but under the wrong ones, it infests, infects, corrupts, like mould between tiles. What I'm aiming for here is the idea that they're so keenly aware of the potential power that knowledge can have that they begin to fear and fetishise it. It manifests in this rabid and inhumane individualism that is deeply damaging and isolating both on an individual level but also on a community level too. If you seek him but do not search, then you'll find him. A couple of people then got into discussion with Jeremy about the various ways in which this might be interpreted. The most notable response is from Carl, who pointed out that this seems to be a case of surrendering agency. Within the Enfield siblings as a unit, even, who knows what is a point of deep contention? Sam knows an incredibly small amount, relative to how embedded he is in the world of arcanism. As we learn later in the show, the reason he has no memory is a deliberate attempt to neuter his immense power, as though preventing him from understanding himself will somehow balance the scales and make it so that his vast magical ability is evened out. How long was it between us going down there and the room disappearing? It's not something I even thought to ask Kitty before she left. I didn't even know the room was gone. I'd ask Anna, but, well, she's gone too, but with less of an explanation. Kitty knows about arcanism, but only from an insider perspective. She's privy to its rules and internal logic and understands the arcanist-to-arcanist social conventions. Anna, on the other hand, has little internal knowledge of arcanism, but a vast knowledge of the external world. Each of these three viewpoints brings them into conflict with one another regularly and shapes their views of each other, their world and their relationships with their memories of their mother. I've heard other people saying things like that, that Madame Marie came out of nowhere, that she was a nobody and then all of a sudden she's a rising star making a fortune. But 
Whatever happened to that fortune, I have no idea because we certainly don't have it now. Madame Marie moved all of what she had in her bank account into mine shortly before she... Before. This is also an incredibly sad moment in the show. Those first few episodes where Sam is reckoning with the loss of their mother were rough to get to. By this point in the run of season one, I had just about started up Spirit Box Radio Forums in the real world, the Discord server which connects a lot of fans of the show. And I started to see real-time responses to the releases of new episodes, something which I found incredibly exciting and inspiring. At this point in the story, seeing how sad it was making everyone that Sam was having such a rough time was really interesting. It hit home for the first time that this show was resonating with people in a way I hadn't fully anticipated. For those of you offering your thoughts, wishes and sacrifices at your altars in honour of Madame Marie, thank you. It really does mean the world. I'm sorry I've not talked more about her today. About losing her. About your kind words, your thoughts and memories. I I think that will have to wait for a while, faithful listeners. It's a moment where I really felt the drawbacks of a serialised method for storytelling too. If you release a show all at once, when people have it in their hands, they have the ending. They can even skip there to make sure everything will be alright if they want to. With a serial release though, you're stuck in the moment and as a listener and a watcher of media, this is something I personally find really difficult and I have a love-hate relationship with it as a creator. On the one hand, I love being able to get feedback from an audience while the show is ongoing. It's really helpful to know what's hitting right and what isn't, to see which parts are beloved and which parts I could stand to lose. I also enjoy getting yelled at by the audience. It's such a wonderful experience to have a whole bunch of people directly engaging with your work like that, being so emotionally impacted that they yell on the internet about it. One excellent time. On the other hand, I don't like that there's no real way that I can reassure my audience and that the story is going out essentially incomplete. I like to think that my stories work best as a whole, something that's more than the sum of its parts, but there's no way of knowing that until the whole thing is completed. It's in this sense that it's like water, necessary for life, refreshing and beautiful and utterly divine, but you can still drown in it. And it can still be used as torture. And over time, it will wear even the biggest rock down to sand. It was also around this time that it sank in for me just how big of a project Spirit Box Radio really was. Oh, I am so glad that we found you. It's been so long. Are you someone who likes to listen to new things as they release, or do you find yourself waiting until you know you have the ending before you start engaging with new work? I am so interested to know. Until next time, stay spooky, folks. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit Box Radio. I've been your temporary... No. I've been your host, Sam Enfield. And I bid you a restful night. Yeah.
Spirit Box Radio is distributed by Hanging Sloth Studios under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 international license. The show was created, directed and produced by me, Pippin Aero Major, the voice of Sam Enfield. Music is by Maybe Wednesday. Follow us on Twitter at Spirit Box Radio or tweet the sloths at Hanging Sloths. Find out more at hangingsloststudios.com where you'll also find transcripts of all of our episodes. You can support the show at patreon.com forward slash hanging sloth studios or buy us a coffee on coffee.com forward slash hanging sloths. Spirit Box Radio is recorded in front of a dead studio audience. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.